When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were ill. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Hannah, thank you so much. And uh, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you this morning. My name is Jamie Mulvaney, and I'm an associate minister here. I wonder, I wonder, when you go out from here on a Sunday, do you feel powerful? Do you feel powerful on Monday morning? Because we are uh, kingdom people. And I wonder if there are things that are stopping us from, from entering the fullness of what Jesus calls us to. We are kingdom people, and, and that means that, that we are here to, to bring about Jesus' kingdom, his dominion, his influence, his power, his rule, his reign here on planet Earth. You and I, we've been given a, a royal warrant, uh, if you like, just like Waitrose uh, have a royal warrant uh, to, to bring you and me food. And uh, we too have a royal warrant to provide food, uh, not Waitrose and partners, but Jesus and partners, if you like. Uh, more on that in a moment. And uh, the first half of the passage, we see that um, we have royal a royal warrant um, for other kingdom purposes, where in the second half we, we find that we have a royal warrant to provide food. In the first half of the passage, we see um, a royal warrant for other kingdom purposes. In verse one, 
Luke writes, when Jesus had called the 12, and that's his, his 12 core followers or disciples, uh, later in the passage, um, they're referred to as, as apostles. When he called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were ill. So what's our royal warrant for? Uh, the clue there is that in amongst all the things that we, we, we can do, it's to proclaim, um, to announce the kingdom of God, the, the, the proclamation of the kingdom. And from that radiates outwards, flows outwards, like a, like a centrifugal force, uh, the, the, the demonstration of the, ki- the, the kingdom of God, a demonstration of the kingdom of God. And so um, that's what we see in verse six. Uh, so the disciples set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. It's the same principle we see at the feeding of the 5,000 uh, down in verse 11. Uh, Jesus welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. And uh, the, the feeding of the 5,000 that he goes on to do, this is, is, is actually the only miracle that appears in each of the gospels, each of the accounts of Jesus' life. So we know uh, that this is a very, very important um, thing for us to be looking at. And, and when you, you put this together uh, with Jesus sending out the disciples, as Luke does, as Luke does here very carefully and uh, on, on purpose, we learn what it is to be people of the kingdom of God, a people that operate in power. So let's have a think a bit more about what it means for us to have power and authority. If you think of uh, the Great Commission, uh, Jesus actually speaks about the authority. He says, all authority has been given to me. And he says, therefore go, go and make disciples of all nations, etc." And here in Luke, Jesus is not just talking about uh, his own power. He, he's actually giving his power, giving his power to those around him. Verse one, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority. Luke, the, the writer of this account, also wrote the book of Acts. And in, in, in um, uh, chapter one, verse eight, Jesus says, you will receive power when the, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. So what's the, what's the power dynamic here? We see that the, the power dynamic of the way that Jesus operates. He, he calls his disciples together He fills them with his power and then he sends them out. They go. And uh, if if you sense, if you sense power draining away from you, vitality draining away from you, I think that can often happen for us in summer. Perhaps there there could be a connection to how often uh, we're coming along uh, to church and gathering with God's people. We're, we're, We're supposed to gather, we're supposed to receive God's power and then to go. And what kind of remit do we have? What authority do we have to go into all places, just like we see in the book of Acts, go to the very ends of the earth? Earlier in in Luke's gospel, in chapter four, uh, Jesus says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And Jesus, here he is inviting us to take on, to to be part of his mission. You have uh, the 12 
disciples, just like you have the the 12 tribes of Israel. We see here a new Israel, God's people uh, coming together. And and Israel, God's God's people, they, they were always supposed to be a blessing, a blessing to the rest of the world, a blessing to the whole world. And it's the same for you and me today. We are invited, each and every one of us, to be God's people. And, and so this is the, the, the power and the authority that Jesus is teaching his disciples about. And so Jesus, Jesus, he doesn't just give us purpose, but he also gives us provision. Jesus sends and sustains. Jesus sends and sustains. The, uh, the organization Gallup have developed a, a survey called Q12. And apparently 2.7 million workers in 100,000 teams uh, have been surveyed on their engagement and productivity uh, to help people perform their best at work. So what's it like uh, to work in the kingdom of God? If you look at the first two questions they, they, they ask, it's actually uh, two statements that you can sort of agree strongly uh, or, or disagree with. The first question is, uh, I know what is expected of me at work. I know what is expected of me at work. And we can see here from this passage that what we're expected to do is to, is to proclaim and to demonstrate uh, the kingdom of God. So I know what is expected of me at work. And then um, statement number two is I have the materials and the equipment that I need to do my work right. I don't know about you, but often I can feel uh, ill-equipped. I can feel ill-equipped in this work. You know, God, thank you for giving me power and authority. What does that actually mean? How does that actually work in my life? You know, do I have the equipment I need? I mean, have a look at verse three. Jesus told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. So Jesus What does he send them with? He sends them with nothing. Actually, no, he doesn't send them with nothing. He sends them with his power and authority. He sends them with his Holy Spirit. Recently, I was uh, driving the car and uh, I realized, you know, I just got that ding, pops up and running low on fuel. And it went from 20 miles left to 10 miles left to five miles left to two miles left. You know, it's getting serious at that point. Um, And then the dashboard said, you've got one mile left. And then it just went to two um, dashed lines. I thought this is, this is pretty bad. Um, and I prayed and thankfully made it to the petrol station uh, on time. And uh, last week, um, just, just this past week, we're on holiday and driving to our destination, it was a remote place. Um, there weren't many petrol stations around. And as we were getting closer and closer, I'm like, are we going to make it? Are we going to make it? We've got 23 miles to go. And uh, my car is telling me I've got 20 miles left. Um, and we did find a petrol station, thankfully. And as we drove home yesterday, I didn't leave it until the last minute uh, to make sure that our, our tank was full. When we uh, think about um, the, the on-ramping of electric vehicles in our country at the moment, people using uh, electric vehicles, you can see the infrastructure, the systems that we have just struggling to keep up with providing people uh, with the power that they need to, to, to charge their electric vehicles. And there's a sense, there's a, there's a sense in which coming along to church on Sunday is a chance for you and me to refuel but, but this, this refueling, this fueling that we receive, it's, it's not some sort of kind of disembodied power. This power is about relationship. It's about our proximity, about our closeness to Jesus Christ. 
I find it fascinating that in verse three of our passage, Jesus tells his disciples not to take any bread, not to take any bread with them for the journey. And you compare that to later in the passage in verse 13 at the feeding of the 5,000, and Jesus tells his disciples, you give them something to eat, that you give them um, bread. And, and, and they say, but, but well, all we have are, are five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus, he asks them to do the impossible, and he provides for their needs. It was Oscar Wilde uh, who said, anyone who lives within their means suffers from a lack of imagination. I wonder, will we allow, will we let our hearts and our minds to be captivated by the Holy Spirit, to let him take charge of our imagination and and what it is that he might do in and through each one of us uh, through our week. You know, I couldn't imagine uh, praying for someone at church. I definitely couldn't imagine praying for someone outside of church. I definitely couldn't imagine myself doing the kinds of things that Jesus calls his disciples to do in this passage. But we meet the needs of others, not based on our resources. We meet their needs based on God's resources and all that he has. The disciples say here, well, we could go and buy food. We could go and get food from others. No, Jesus says, Jesus will provide. You know, don't consider other sources. But Jesus is he's not one of many support structures that we have in our lives. He is the structure. He is the structure that we depend upon. If you think back to Exodus, Exodus in chapter 16, we, we get the people of, of Israel in the wilderness, wandering around in the wilderness, and they're, they're hoarding manna. They're hoarding uh, quail. And this doesn't work. It goes stale. And um, they've got to trust God. They've got to trust, trust God day by day by day for their daily bread, for God to provide for their needs. And so you and I, we can feel totally inadequate. We can feel powerless. We can feel lacking. Who cares? It doesn't matter at all. Because we depend on God and we depend on his power and what he provides. He sustains us along the way. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all tell us that at the feeding of the 5,000, where it took place was in a, a, a place um, that was remote or a desolate place. What is your lack? Where do you feel deficient at the moment? Take your need, take your lack to Jesus Christ. You know, we might think, well, I'm not really ready to be used by God. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting till I've got all my ducks in a row. But God doesn't work like that, does he? Verse 13, we see, we, we, we can't give God what we don't have. We can only give God what we do have. So we can't sort of go, okay, God, in the future, when I've got all these things sorted in my life, then I'll bring those things to you. Actually, we, we go to God with what we have right now, and he provides, and he multiplies. So give God what you have today. Give him all that you have. I remember um, having just done my undergraduate um, degree, and 
I, I felt that God was calling me to work for the church and I was actually volunteering for the church um, and I was enjoying it and thinking, yeah, this is where God is, is calling me to be. There's just this one slightly um, tiny little issue. Is I've got no money and I've got no place to live. Um, and uh, I remember uh, totally overstaying my welcome, um, sofa surfing. And um, this, this group of people in the house are staying in sort of coming together and saying, Jamie, actually, we've got to have a, a chat. Um, and um, I remember thinking, uh, God, where, where am I going to live? I, 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 I know that you're calling me to do this work. And I went away. I, I, I guess I took a small step of faith. I went on this um, weekend exploring what it means to be ordained in the Church of England. And I got chatting to this bishop for about 10 minutes. And uh, a, a, a week later, he met up with me. In the intervening time, um, someone said to me, Jamie, God will always provide for your needs. He will always um, give you a place to live. And uh, this bishop met up with me again. He said, I've got this crazy idea that you might come and be my first intern. And I've also um, spoken to my wife. And we also have a self-contained flat. Uh, and I, 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 we wondered whether you'd like to come and live for free uh, in our bishop's palace. <laughs> as, we, as we take a step of faith, as we go, as, 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 as we, we're sent out by Jesus, Jesus provides for our needs. Jesus provides for us as we go along. As I, uh, I was preparing, as I was praying um, for today, I, I had a sense that um, for some of us here, it's, it's, like, um, it's like you've got a fixed mindset that actually uh, this is the way that life works. And this is the way life is always going to be. And even if I've experienced things in the past or, or seen things happen in the past that were, were powerful, actually, my life is just going to be the same old life going forward. Not expecting much power and authority in my life. It's so, so easy for all of us, I think, to, to let cynicism creep in. It's the air that we're breathing around us as we, as we walk around Clapham, as we talk to people. And we can just become cynical and we can begin to um, think more in terms of the physical world than the spiritual world. And, and very quickly, we um, develop hard hearts and soft feet when Jesus is calling us to develop hard feet and soft hearts, soft to him. Maybe you can relate to the disciples. I, I can certainly relate to the disciples, uh, being quite forgetful, uh, very, very quickly. You know, Jesus, he's just given them, given them power and authority, and they'd seen amazing things. They'd done amazing things in the name of Jesus Christ. And yet, the very next thing, their, their faith is so small, they don't think that they can feed the people around them. And Jesus, he's just been teaching them about power and authority. And it's as if they haven't learned anything at all. Jesus is, is looking for maturity, for maturity. And maturity is not to be confused with independence. You know, the world says that in order to be mature, uh, you've got to be independent. That's maturity. But Jesus says that to be mature is to be dependent on me. That's maturity. That we grow in our dependence, our reliance on him. Oswald Chambers said, every element of our own self-reliance must be put to death by the power of God. The moment we recognize our complete weakness and our dependence upon him will be the very moment that the spirit of God will exhibit his power. 
in the 1800s. There was a man by the name of, of George Mueller. And uh, George Mueller lived in the 1800s and uh, he lived in Bristol. And it's wonderful to see someone for once with a smile on their face uh, who looks a bit like that, um, as Sarah pointed out to me before. And, uh, and uh, George Mueller lived in Bristol and he ran Ashley Down Orphanage. And this is what Wikipedia says in introducing George Mueller. Uh, Wikipedia says that, that Mueller cared for 10,024 orphans during his lifetime and provided educational opportunities for the orphans to the point that he was even accused by some of raising the poor above their natural station in British life. What a thing to be accused of. Uh, he established 117 schools which offered Christian education to more than 120,000 children. And uh, I, was, I was reading last night in this wonderful book, Delighted in God, by, by Roger Steele. I was reading about how actually people here in Clapham are provided for George Mueller's needs. Uh, people in Clapham answered his prayers and sent him uh, money. And uh, there's this account in this book of um, George Mueller speaking to one of his friend's uh, daughters. And it says this, early one morning, Abigail uh, was playing in the garden on Ashley Down. Uh, that's the orphanage, uh, when Mueller came out and took her by the hand. Come and see, he said. Come and see what our father will do. He led her into the long dining room with the plates, cups, and bowls all laid on the table. According to the account, there was nothing but the empty dishes on the tables. The children were standing, waiting for breakfast. Children, he said, you know that we must be in time for school. Lifting his hand, he prayed, dear father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. No hype, just gentle authority, and leading these children in trusting their heavenly father who would provide for all their needs. And then they all heard a knock at the door. The baker stood there. Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt you didn't have bread for breakfast, and the Lord wanted me to send you some. So I got up at two o'clock and baked some fresh bread, and had brought it. Mueller thanked the baker and praised God for his care. Children, he said, we not only have bread, but fresh bread. Almost immediately, they then heard a second knock on the door. This time, it was the milkman. Mr. Mueller, my milk cart has broken down outside the orphanage. I would like to give the children the cans of fresh milk so that I can empty the wagon and repair it. God is not only powerful. God is kind. And this is not just about God sending us. This is not just about God sustaining us. This is about God satisfying us. This morning we have the wonder of fresh bread, uh, Mr. Mueller says. Jesus satisfies. Jesus satisfies. In verse 17, we read, they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. This is satisfaction. Satisfaction so great that it leads to overflowing. The, the kind of satisfying that we see in John chapter two at the wedding in Cana, where Jesus takes the water and turns it into wine, and there's enough wine, enough wine left over in the best wine that there is. Here we see the, the, the 12 basketfuls, just like the 12 tribes of Israel, for each of the disciples. Jesus provides. He provides more than enough. There is more than enough for Jesus to go around. 
I wonder where it is in our lives where, where we may have taken on a scarcity mentality. I don't have enough. When we're called to, to operate out of the abundance, the abundance of what we've been given in Jesus Christ. Uh, must have been about 10 years ago, I was uh, working at HDB, another church in London, and we put on a, a Christmas Day lunch um, for, uh, for people who are homeless, for people who wouldn't otherwise have somewhere uh, to be on Christmas Day. And we'd um, expected and we'd catered for 260 people. I recognize that's quite a specific number, but um, we, we, we catered for 260 people, and uh, 450 people showed up. Um, and so as you can imagine, um, uh, a lot of us got to work and, and, and some began praying. And we had enough food, enough food uh, to go around, and we also had enough food um, left over as well. I wonder if that reminds of, of anyone and of anything in the Bible. This um, food was, was not just fuel. It's not just fuel for each of us that were eating that day. This, this food was, was food to be relished. You know, Christmas Day is all about celebration. It was Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, who said that the breaking of bread together has a festive quality. In the midst of the working day given to us again and again, it is a reminder that God rested after God's work and the Sabbath is the meaning and the goal of the week with its toil. Our life is not only a great deal of trouble and hard work, it is also refreshment and joy in God's goodness. We labor, but God nourishes and sustains us. That is a reason to celebrate. God will not tolerate the unfestive, joyless manner in which we eat our bread with sighs of groaning, with pompous, self-important busyness, or even with shame. Through the daily meal, God is calling us to rejoice, to celebrate in the midst of our working day. You know, we are busy people in a busy city, in a busy church. Will we operate this year out of a place of striving? Or will we operate out of a place of satisfaction? That we are no longer orphans, but we are God's children. And that he satisfies us and that he provides us with all that we need. It is only out of that place that there will be any lasting fruit. It is only out of that place that we can operate in God's power and in his authority. Yes, God wants us to find satisfaction in our work and our rest. Yes, God wants us to find satisfaction in being used by him. But there's also the reality, isn't there, that, that there's struggle. And there will be those of us here today that are struggling in our day-to-day. -day. We are um, struggling from, from unfulfilled longings and from pain from things that have happened to us, from, from uncertainty, the illnesses that, that don't get healed, maybe for us, maybe for those around us. And the kingdom of God, the, the kingdom of God is now and the kingdom of God is not yet. And yes, there will be struggle. But take that struggle to Jesus. Take that need to him. What do we see in verse 11? When, when, when the crowds come to Jesus with their needs, Jesus, he is happy to be interrupted. Jesus, he, he welcomes them, we read. And then in verse 14, we see that we sit or, or, or properly we recline. That Jesus wants to host you and me. He wants to look after you and me to enable us to operate from a place of rest. 
And this all leads down to, to verse 17, to satisfaction. This, this foretaste, a foretaste of the coming kingdom, a foretaste of the coming banquet, where ultimately uh, all our satisfaction is met in Jesus Christ. And so if we find ourselves unsatisfied today, take that longing, take that desire to Jesus Christ, the one who can satisfy you and me. This is, this is all about Jesus. Because amidst all the spiritual principles, amidst all the sending and the sustaining and the, and the satisfying, each and every one of them begin and they end with Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God, this passage is all about, the kingdom of God is all about the king. And in between Jesus sending out his disciples, in between that and at the feeding of the 5,000, we get these funny little few verses that take place about a very different kind of king. Uh, we see Herod the Tetrarch. Now, Herod the Tetrarch, uh, he is also thinking about power and authority. And he's worried about his power and authority. You know, he's heard about this guy called Jesus. And some people are saying it's John the Baptist. Others are saying Elijah. When, uh, when Elijah was taken uh, to heaven, uh, Elisha, Elisha takes his cloak and so Jesus, he take, uh, Elisha takes Elijah's authority and um, he says, take nothing extra. Just as Jesus says, take nothing extra. He, he wants to clothe us with the Holy Spirit. And then we see Elisha tells his, his servant to feed 100 prophets with 20 loaves. And his servant, just like uh, the disciples here, a bit unbelieving. And uh, Elisha says, you feed them, you feed them. And just like we see in this passage today, there's enough. There's enough with leftovers remaining. We see um, for Herod, others say that, that, that Jesus is one of the prophets long ago come back to life. Well, think of the most famous prophet there is, Moses. And Moses, and we saw how God fed people in the wilderness with manna from heaven after God had rescued them from slavery. And Jesus, he is, he's leading these people out of their sin. He's leading them out of the slavery of exile and sin. And he is feeding them along the way. We'll take the prophet Isaiah. We read in chapter 25 or 55 where he says, come and take and eat money, eat, eat bread and drink wine without money and without cost. This, this banquet, this foretaste of the coming kingdom um, that we are receiving. And Jesus, Jesus, he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament he is the, the, the fulfillment and he is the one who fulfills us. This is all about him. It's all about Jesus Christ. And so he, he takes the bread. He takes the bread. He thanks God for it. He, he breaks it and he gives it. The exact same sequence, the same, exact same order of what he does with the bread in Luke chapter 22 at the Last Supper, foreshadowing his own death on the cross. Jesus, he is the provider, and he is the provision. Jesus does not ration himself. There is more than enough for Jesus to go around, to feed on him, find your fulfillment in him, and he will fulfill and fill you and me with his purposes and his plans for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Would you like to stand?